Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm so glad to be back with you again today. Thank you for joining us for a wonderful episode on why and how our guest today helps foreign investors get access to USA real estate markets. Bernard Pearson has over 10 years of real estate experience and has invested in over 2,000 apartment units. He started his real estate career doing ground-up real estate development and is now fully focused on acquiring multifamily properties. Bernard holds a master's in real estate from Georgetown University and a real estate analysis and investment certificate from Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Bernard, take us into the show and share an experience that was pivotal in helping you to be who you are today. Hi, doctor. Thanks for having me on today. And I was thinking about this one as I got on the show. You, you told me that we were going to start the show with this. And the first thing that came to my mind, and I think it's, it's, it's the most accurate one, and it's a very significant one. My backstory is I was born in Miami to Nicaraguan parents who, were, who had immigrated to Miami when th- there was a war. So when I was around six years old, I, they mo- we moved back to Nicaragua. So my parents had always, they would always tell me great things. I was five, four years old. You know, one of my earliest memories was always how great Nicaragua was and how much they loved this country. They really missed their country, right? It was their home. So we were finally going back home. We were finally moving back there when I was, I was five or six years old, right? And I was all excited and I'm, we were in Miami, right? And I'm now going, moving to this amazing place and I'm all excited about this move. And the day comes, we move, we get on the flight, everything's going fine, excellent, right? I, I even took a, some pets I had with me, a small little bird. I was a fire, you know, little things I had with me and I was taking everything and I was all excited, right? And my, my brothers were with me. My, my, my father actually stayed behind on that trip. Um, he was coming later, but my mom was, was with us on the flight. So we got to Nicaragua, we land, it's night. It's the middle of the night. It was a late flight. And the first thing that happens is we get off the flight and we don't, we don't get off on a jetway like we do here. We got off on stairs and I'm like, okay, this is different. But again, I'm five years old, so it's fun. But then as soon as I get off the stairs and Nicaragua at the time had, was finishing a war. They were just getting past a recent civil war. So all I start seeing is all these military men dressed in military clothes and with guns around them. And these were machine guns and AK-47s, what's the weapon of choice back there. And I was like, okay, this is, why did my parents say this was great? Right. And I start, I start, this is, they lied to me. This is somebody, so what's going on here? Then we go through the airport. Everything's old. Everything is, it's a very poor country. So everything was, was fine apart. Walls weren't painted. They were these, this very opaque brownish color old wood and it was it was just old there was no ac and we finally got to the car the car was 20 years old easily it was missing there, there was holes in the in the in, in the seat it was fabric seats right and they, they just had holes in them and you could see all the foam and there was a gun on the floor of the car and i'm like okay the first time i see a gun in my life i'm five years old right and and then as we drive we're driving home i starts there's buses with people hanging out of them so it was a huge disappointment. But as time passed, I grew to love that country and the, the perspective it's given me 
is 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 I I I think it's very unique on for me at least, or at least for the people I'm surrounded by, as I was exposed to a, a level of poverty and a level of of just everything was so different. I mean, we we were so far behind, and 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 that just gave me a perspective to be a lot more grateful for for what what we have and especially what we have here in this country. Yeah, Bernard, that's that's really interesting. How it is that you were explaining that. Your parents were so in love with Nicaragua. You know, so oftentimes here in the United States, we hear all of these stories of immigrants coming from Latin America. And we have this picture in our mind that that they're not leaving anything behind, that they have no feelings for their country. And they come to the great United States and can't wait to get out of their countries. And I think we we so often forget about the pain and agony that it takes to immigrate. And so thank you for illustrating that for us, Bernard, that in spite of the the poverty and conditions that Latin America often faces, they're beautiful countries with beautiful people. And, and it's heartbreaking for the immigrants that are coming here. And we need to take that into consideration there. Bernard, you started out your real estate experiences in South America. But before you actually got into real estate, you were in the food trading industry and you built some wealth in conjunction with that. So share with us those experiences and why it is that you, even though you were building wealth in the food trade industry, why did you leave that? Yeah. So Nicaragua, again, being very, it's it's a very agricultural country and we also have a lot of, of, there's a lot of beef, cattle, and stuff like that. So I, I got into the bike. It was almost coincidentally through friends and whatnot. I, I got into trading food and we would make good money. We would sell coffee, we sell sugar, we would sell beef, we would sell lobster, which I still do to this day a little. I sell a little bit of lobster here and there. But we were making great money, and especially for our age. We, we were young back then. and But it was very transactional. Every, like every, we would, we would close a deal and we would have to start over, right? And we were making money. I mean, not that we were making millions of millions of millions, but we were making good money. But I started to get this feeling, okay, so now I have to invest this money somewhere and I want to get a source of income that doesn't depend on me closing a deal every time. And because it was starting to create a lot of stress in my life to to, to have to depend on a deal to, to make money. And that's how I, it just wasn't sustainable. As I looked forward, I, I started figuring out that we were a middleman and we were starting to get squeezed out. And eventually I, I, I could see a future where we would, we would be squeezed out with technology and globalization. And it was just not my passion. And it was just too transactional. And, and that's why I found real estate and, and moved to real estate. Bernard, I can understand how you could say that that was transactional, but you know, there's many people who find themselves in, in these various different professions. I mean, real estate brokers are one excellent, excellent example of that. It's extraordinarily transactional business. And yet the vast majority of realtors would never even think of going into real estate investment. What led you or what gave you the insight to understand that you needed to do something besides transactional. I knew that it wasn't healthy, that my income would depend on my hours, right? Or on my input into the in, into, into my business. Um, that, that eventually I, I may want to, thinking very ahead of the future, I may want to retire. Or even thinking shorter term, I may have some condition at some point that may not allow me to work the way I was working before. I may, I may not be able to travel as easily. There's, and, and all these things made me, in a way, nervous. And as I researched, I did find real estate. And, and yeah, they sell you this 
a lot, a lot of real estate investors out there where companies sell you or pitch you this idea that real estate is passive. It's not. It, it's, it usually is not, right? It's, it, can, it can also be transactional, but I think you can find ways for it to, to, to be sustainable, at least, and, and provide a sustainable source of income. Some amazing insights for, for a very young man living in an impoverished country. So it's kind of amazing that you actually came to those. And yes, there is so much hype in the real estate industry that it's passive income and you never have to do anything. Just place your investment there and you're instantly a millionaire. But you know, it doesn't happen that way. But the thing about it is, even though if you are really going to develop wealth through real estate, it definitely is. As you're starting out on it, it is almost always going to be a transactional endeavor, but it is a way to develop wealth. And- yes. And, and, and the other thing is that we, we talk a lot about the income side of real estate and the passive income side, but, but there's also a big piece that I've seen through my years in real estate that people don't really talk about as much is it, it's a great way to create wealth. Like the amount of equity you can create in real estate if, if you're patient is very hard to, to, to match elsewhere with the same level of risk. Absolutely. And it is it is that development of equity where that passive income comes from. But nobody I know of starts off with a great deal of equity. It takes mm-hmm. time and it takes transactions and activity to do that. Bernard, it, it's interesting to me that that you began your, your real estate endeavors in Latin America, and I guess it was in Nicaragua. And that to me is, is a little bit surprising given the instabilities in Nicaragua and the extreme poverty and all of that. How were you able to start your real estate endeavors in Nicaragua? So it, it, it was Nicaragua and it was also Costa Rica. But the reason I, that, that happened was I had, I had already started getting interested in real estate. I had already bought my first investment property. And I was already, at that time, I was probably in a little bit of analysis paralysis, although I had taken the first step of buying a property. I, I ended up finding a, a partner that we're still great friends today and we, we still, we're still looking at work together today. But they had a lot of experience. They, their, their family had been developing for 40 years or so. And one of the things that gave me a lot of comfort was to go into the business with someone who had experience, right? And that just made everything, it gave me just, it just gave me a lot of comfort. And it's something I would recommend a lot of people to do, right? If, if you're going to get into this business, try to do it with someone who has experience. So I found those guys and, 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 and we, 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 we did that. And the other thing that made sense to me was I knew Nicaragua, or I know Nicaragua very well. It's home. I, I'm, I, I know the people. I know the culture. I know the city very well. I know, I know everything. I, I mean, my, my network over there is, 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 was, at the time, at least, a lot bigger than it is here. And it, it's, it's a small country. Everyone knows each other. So it, it, it made a lot of sense at the time. And yeah, it, it was... It, it it was a great experience. There were, I think it was a great learning experience. In the end, things, I, I decided to change paths, but but at the time, I thought it made sense. And, and that's why I ended up doing that. Well, as you alluded to here, Bernard, you actually did change paths and you moved your investment endeavors here to the USA. What brought you to that decision? Why did you decide to move your endeavors here? There's a lot of reasons to that. The, um, I'll start off by saying that a couple of years into development, what we, we would have developed condos and uh, condo buildings and communities of single family homes. And uh, the concept of multifamily for rent or built for rent does not really exist in Latin America as much. So, or at all, maybe. So we would 
we, we would sell them, right? These were all for sale. And I quickly found out in a couple of years that I'm, all, I'm again in a transactional environment, right? I have to build and now I have to sell it, right? So I'm, as you were saying before, but the real estate brokers and, and all the different roles we can play in real estate, a lot of them are transactional. And I found myself in a transactional one. And, but I also started finding out that I was in an, at, when I first got in, Nicaragua was kind of, the economy was growing, things were going very well. And then about four years ago in, in 2018, we, we had a big political, social unrest episode of that. And things never really recovered after that. And it happened from one day to the other. And that made me realize how fragile these countries can be and, 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 and how risky they are. And I, I did a lot of studies and, and I'm, I'm, I like to look at data and I'm, I'm very analytical. So I started looking at, at different data points and, and, and I started finding out that if I want to summarize it, the risk-adjusted return of investing in Nicaragua, and even Latin America for that sense, is inferior than in the U.S. So, and in, in most cases, right? I'm not saying that there's no opportunities in Latin America. There, there are. But in general, you can do a lot better here in the U.S., at least if you look back. And part of the reason that I started looking at that is while I was developing, I was already investing passively in real estate as a, what we call LP or limited partners in, in other syndications. And they were doing great. Right. And we were doing well, but I was making the returns were comparable as an LP versus me really fighting or, or really struggling. To, it's a struggle down there to, 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 to do business in general. There's a lot of, of, of things you can't even think of that you, you wouldn't encounter here or may probably not encounter as much here in the U.S. So, yeah, I, I just started studying it. I found out that I realized how small our economy is in Nicaragua and in Costa Rica. Um, I started looking at numbers. And if, if you look at the, and these numbers are probably a little old, like two years old or something, but the GDP of Latin America, for example, at the time when I was looking at, this num- at these numbers was 4.7 trillion, right? So the whole continent, and that includes all Latin America, Central America, South America, Mexico, and the Caribbean. While the US at the time was around 21 trillion, mm-hmm. right? And so we're, we're talking about five times the economy, right? The size of the economy is five times as much. And at the same time, the population of Latin America is twice as much. So, you know, that, know that. Yeah. yeah. So the economy is, is four times bigger here than in the whole continent with half the population. So just think about that for a little. And then I started looking at Nicaragua and Costa Rica specifically. And the economy of Nicaragua at the time was around 12 and a half billion. And Costa Rica was around 61, 62 billion. Colombia, as an example of a bigger economy in Latin America, that's it's 270 billion. Mm. Then Miami, which is the city we're all most familiar with in Latin America, the metropolitan area is 300 billion. So wow. just Miami is bigger than Colombia, which is one of the strongest, not today, right? But at, at least one of the biggest economies in Latin America. So just one city, just one MSA has a larger economy than the whole continent or the whole region, at least. And then I started looking at returns, right? And, and public data is, is hard to find there. And also here in the U.S., it's not as easy. So if you go to, to, to the public markets, which was easier, right? And you, I started looking at different real estate indices. And if I compare the, the one I looked at was the MSCI, Emerging Markets Native American Real Estate Index, compared it to the MSCI, USA, IMI Real Estate Index. 
So if you compare those two indexes over 10 years, the return on that in America was just under 80%, 7.9% over 10 years year, annual, right? And at during that same period, the US was 9.6%. So the return was higher over 10 years. Okay, now let's look at the risk. What was my next step? I looked at the, and to keep it simple, I let's talk about standard deviation, which is a measure of risk. I hope I'm not losing everyone here, <laughs> but um, it's a little over my head, but, but I'm giving us a general idea here. <laughs> but the, yeah, so the standard deviation in Latin America was 29%. That's a measure of risk, right? The higher the standard deviation, the more risk. So over the same time period, Latin America was, had a standard deviation of 29%. The U.S. had a standard deviation of around 15%. Mm-hmm. So also almost half the risk for better return. Then if I keep on, this is the last one I'm going to say with numbers is CBRE did a study in 2019 where they studied the spread between government bonds and cap rates in Mexico and the U.S. And Mexico, again, is one of the sophisticated economies in Latin America. If you go to other countries, they're a lot less sophisticated. So the spread, and, and this has changed now, right? It's in the U.S., but the spread back then between cap rates and government bonds was 460 basis points in the U.S. In Mexico, it was 200 basis points. So there's a lot of, people think that there's a lot of opportunity in Latin America, and there is, but it's not easy to find. And in general, the conditions are just not as, as easy to do business or, or, or as favorable as they are here. And there's the lending, the interest rates are a lot higher. I mean, we, we think right now that five or 6% interest rates are high here. Well, we would pay 12, mm-hmm. right? Five years ago in Nicaragua. So, I mean, that, that's just some of the reasons I decided to move here. Bernard, lots of great uh, insight there. And you have a lot to offer. So share with our viewers and listeners how it is that they can take advantage of your wisdom and knowledge and uh, get in touch with you. So you can sign up for my newsletter. I, I, I try to put out as much information on, on the subject as possible. I, I generally tar- um, cater towards Latin American investors. And that also includes domestic Latin Americans. And what I mean by domestic is maybe Latin American families or individuals who have migrated to the U.S. in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. And so, yeah, just you can go to my website, www.equitypartners.com. And we spell equity with an I at the end, E-Q-U-I-T-I. That I stands for international. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. You can also reach out by email, info at equitypartners.com. And if you reach out to me, I can send you some, some studies I've, I've done on comparing Latin America to, to the U.S. Some, some papers I've wrote and, and whatnot, and I can share all that stuff with you. So, I, so do reach out. And I'm also on all social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. If you reach out there and send me a private message, I'll, I'll definitely respond. Of course, all of this is going to be in the show notes. Another way and means uh, that you can contact uh, Bernard is info at equitypartners.com and send them an email and in the subject line, enter abundance, and they will send you a free guide on real estate investing in both Spanish and English. Bernard, how is it that you and your company are helping foreign investors get access to USA markets? So for foreign investors, it's a, it's a very foreign, you know, for, for environment to, to come invest in the U.S. When, when, when they think about the U.S., they, they think about Miami, they think about New York, and maybe parts of Texas, you know, California, all these major cities. And every, the rest of the country is just very foreign to them. So I just help them give back. I, I educate them. 
in in Spanish. I'm not the only one, but, but there's not a lot of of Spanish speaking multifamily experienced operators. So that is probably one of the most significant way I can help. I, I understand their culture, I understand their language, and I can communicate it to them in a way that if you don't speak Spanish, you won't be able to communicate it. And the translating the real estate lingo to especially the one we use here with cap rates and whatnot, it, it's not easy to, to Spanish. It's not even if you know the language, it's not easy. And, and, and one of the main reasons is, as I was saying before, is the, the, the multifamily concept is very foreign to us. It, it does not exist. We have apartment buildings. Apartment buildings are typically condos. The concept of cap rates is, doesn't really exist in, in most of Latin America. It's, it's more com- everything, even if it's commercial real estate, it got sold on comps. And it's, wow. it's, it's just a very foreign subject for us. Mm-hmm. So I help them understand it. I, 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 I travel there and I, and I, and I talk, talk to them about it, educate them. And whenever they come here to the U.S., I also educate them and, and speak at conferences in Spanish. And, and that's what I do. And, and I also help them invest, right? They're, they're not here. They're far away. So I, so I help them. I, we find the deals. We set them up. We syndicate them. And most of our investors are from Latin America. Not, not exclusively. We do take domestic investors as well. But most of our investors are from Latin America. Bernard, what you've been telling me about the lack of multifamily rentals in Nicaragua is really surprising to me. I would expect, I would have expected it would have been just the opposite, that most people in Nicaragua are not property owners, but are renters. So this is really quite surprising to me. That well, there's a mix. There's there's some aren't going to be like the, the so the very low class or the very poor individuals. Those are probably going to own more than rent because they're so poor they can't afford to rent, right? So they probably right. own a parcel, a small parcel of land, and and they figured out a way to build their own house. Or, or or some sort of shelter on, on that parcel of, of land, mm-hmm. yeah. Or the, there 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 are some government programs. Um, mm-hmm. Are they efficient or not? Well, that's another conversation. But uh, <laughs> there are some government programs that that have given the very the poorest of the country access mm-hmm. to, to to shelter. So that and 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 there are rentals. It's just not a multifamily or apartment building like we see mm-hmm. here. It's more mm-hmm. someone buys a property and they rent it out. Someone buys a house and they rent it out. Someone buys a, a condo and they rent it out. But it's not a 50-unit garden-style apartment community where all the units get rented out. There are a couple, very few, very few, very hard to find, very few. There's not a strong market for it. You're not going to be able to sell it easily. There's uh, Appraisals aren't even going to know how to value it because there's no, just the, the cap rate concept does not exist or it's, it's, it's very foreign to, to, to us down there. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, interesting. Well, what are the major benefits to investors who are either foreign or they're just newly arriving in the country as immigrants? So I think th- there's many that we all know and we, we talk about all the time. And, and those also apply. It's going to be taxes, diversification, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I think one big one, if you just came to this country, is if you invest passively or even actively, it, it, it's an alternative income stream. Right, these you're coming to a new country. You're 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 maybe have a new job. You're maybe starting a new business. Well, you can passively get alternative streams of income. If you come to this country, if you stay over there, well, then you can also have alternative streams of income. The other big benefit for individuals, especially from Latin America, is going to be if you think inflation is bad here, you should go down there to go go to Colombia, go to Peru, go to Chile. Right. I mean, if you look at the dollar right now, compared to their currency. 
it's, it's gained a lot of strength. And that has translated to inflation in their country as well, right? Everything's gotten more expensive. They have to import. They, they, a lot, you know, they depend a lot of, on, on imports. So everything's more expensive there. And a lot of these countries are going through strong, or the word's not strong, but, but significant political changes towards, in some cases, towards the left. And that's created fear for them. And, and historically, Latin America, governments that go towards the left also become authoritarian, right? So they're very nervous. And what they want is to take the money out. That's what they want. They want to have assets outside of their country. And I think that's one of the best benefits. You're going to be in U.S. and U.S. dollars. Your asset's going to be here in the U.S. It's going to be protected. They're not going to take it away from you as they would in, in another country where you can just lose it. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think that's just the best benefit that they can have is you're going to take your money out. You don't, it's not going to be sitting in a bank account. It's, it's going to be here in the U.S. It's going to be well protected and you're going to be making money off of it and make it, yeah. And I think it's also, as I said before, that just the risk adjusted returns of investing down there versus here and just getting that diversification of a lot of them have businesses in Latin America, or maybe they have their employment down there or something. And so they depend a lot on, on that local economy. So I think it's key for them or it's great for them. It's very valuable for them to diversify into this economy, which is the strongest in the world. Enlightened investors, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation today, and I know that you have as well. And what a fascinating take on international opportunities and investments and how it is that people outside of the United States can actually take advantage of the investment opportunities that are here. I look forward to being with you in the future, Enlightened Investors. Next episode coming up in three days. So be with us then. Bernard, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, doctor. It was a pleasure. Had a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com. 